0: And yeah. you yeah. come in. When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains And my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet My feet rose to dance When as though
1: Good morning CBC. CBC. I want to welcome you uh, into the Lord's house today to worship. Um, Thank you for being here and I I welcome you online as well. Uh, We just want to give our all to the Lord uh, this morning and so I would ask that that you stand with me and that we we just give him everything we've got uh, this morning. about how Jesus paid it all in this next song, I would invite you to join me and sing it with all your heart, because truly he did. That's why we're here. That's why we can give you praise. Sing it with me.
2: Welcome to Cypress Bible Church. My name is Jonathan Chang, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm just so glad to see you all here, worshiping whether in person here or whether you're online today. Um, As we continue to worship, I want to share a passage with you all that is on my heart in regards to how we should approach how we worship our Lord. And it comes from 1 Chronicles. In chapter 16, verses 23 to 31, and it reads this. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I want you all to reflect on these words written because as we worship God on this Sunday, it can be easy to fall in the monotony of just coming to church, sitting in a pew, singing some songs and listening to a message. But let us come with an excitement and a joy to worship God. Let us sing these words in song to him for his glory. Because we're here to worship God alone. If you want to turn your attention, we have a video from our children's ministry for you all.
3: Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. We have to make many choices in life, and every choice we make can either point people to Jesus or point them away. What choice will you make?
1: Okay, everybody line up behind Alex this week. She's the line leader. Yes, Mrs. Lillian. Okay, once you're all lined up, you can head out to the playground.
4: Okay, since I'm first in line, that means I can run out and get first pick of whatever I want to do. I can get the tires for me, or grab that one basketball that doesn't get flat. I could do whatever I want, but should I? Maybe I should let the others go first, but it's my right to go first. Ugh, what would Jesus do? Oh, I know. Okay, y'all can go.
5: Thanks, Alex. Happy
3: birthday to Every you. choice we make can either point people to Jesus or point them away. What choice will you make?
6: Well, thanks, Ava. I really
4: love these colors. Alex, Alex, open my present. Oh, it's a Nintendo Switch game. The game I got last night from Aunt Bethany. Alex, lean closer to Sarah so I can get a picture. Ugh, that's annoying. Now I have two of these games? Thanks a lot, Sarah. No, that wouldn't be nice. Should I tell her I already got this game? No, she doesn't need to know that. I'm just glad she knows I love playing on my Switch. One more. Thanks, sir. You really know
6: me well. Yeah, I got you that present. Maybe we can play it later. Yeah.
3: Every choice we make can either point people to Jesus or point them away. What choice will you make?
6: Do you like the Nintendo game? Yeah, that game was really good. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to take a break. My hands were t- Yeah, mine too. I remember last weekend I was playing uh, the Wii at church. Oh, last weekend? I had to do so much on Saturday. We had our cousins come over and my mom wanted to make sure the house was spotless. I had to do so much chores. Clean my room.
4: and You know how my room looks sometimes. Sarah sure likes that. to talk. I mean, she interrupted me, and it seems like she does that all the time. That really bugs me. Yuck, he is so gross. And I
6: had a. And after that, my mom told
4: me to the toilet. I'm just going to tell her to. No, I shouldn't do that. Maybe she doesn't have many people that listen to her at home. I can be a good listener and a good friend. And we both got sent into our rooms, but that's okay because I didn't have
6: to do all the work. But then my room got messy again because I was trying to look for my phone, and then my cousins came over and, anyway. Thanks for listening. It seems I usually talk too much for most people. Hey,
4: what did you do last weekend? Oh no, you always have a lot to say. Last weekend, we went to the park on Saturday, and we had church in the morning, so. Yeah,
6: you go to church, right? What is that like? Sometimes I go to to my grandma's church when I visit her, but I never really get what's going on, what they're saying. Uh,
4: What, why do you go to church? What is it all about? Oh, well, you see, we go to church because we follow Jesus, and he tells us how we should live and what we should do.
3: We can choose to put Jesus before our own desires, or preferences, or rights. And that helps us become more like Jesus. Every choice we make can either point people to Jesus or point them away. You never know what doors will open Thanks, because of the actions you take, words you say, and choices you make. What choice will you make?
5: i mm-hmm.
1: invite the Lord to take hold of us and use us in a way that is pleasing and excellent to Him. That's what this song is about. So, we want to offer our life as a sacrifice. So I ask that you would sing this with me. Take my life and let it be consecrated. My moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless
5: praise.
1: Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and. I
7: In uh, September, we began our study through 1 Corinthians and uh, we paused that series for a couple of months. And so I want to remind you of the background of uh, this letter from the Apostle Paul, written to the church in Corinth, which was a world-class city, an economic powerhouse. And uh, it attracted people from all over the Roman Empire and uh, that was because there was business, and sports, and education, art, wealth, sexual pleasure, philosophy, uh, all, all kinds of things going on in Corinth. And the population was about 700,000 people. It was a melting pot of ethnicities and religions. The, uh, Paul, the apostle, arrived about 50 AD, and he began to preach the good news of Jesus. And people believed And a church was formed. Uh, Paul stayed about 18 months teaching them, and then he moved on to plant churches in other cities. And over the next few years, the Corinthian church became a mess. There was conflict and division, sexual sin, theological misunderstanding, selfishness, spiritual pride, and uh, they were more concerned about impressing their culture than in preaching the gospel. And so Paul wrote uh, this letter to correct those problems. And this spirit inspired letter is the Word of God. And it has been preserved for us today uh, because the same errors that plague the Corinthian church uh, plague the American church. We pick up uh in this letter, 1 Corinthians chapter nine, and uh where we have Paul listing his rights. rights this morning. Uh, We have all kinds of different rights. Some are official, some just implied and understood. As Americans we have a Bill of Rights. Uh, These are the first ten amendments to the Constitution where the government cannot uh, make laws that take away uh, these rights. Uh, First right is I have the right to freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Uh, second one is that I have a right to carry a gun. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, but the uh, third one uh, is uh, I have a right not to let soldiers live in my house. Uh, I have a right not to be Bill of Rights. Fight about rights. All kinds of different things. And uh, uh, just some... Common current examples, an airline won't allow a woman to board a plane for which she has a ticket because her outfit is inappropriate. She has the right of freedom of expression, and the airline has the right to refuse service for offensive clothing. Um, A store denies a man entry who refuses to wear a mask. He has the right to be maskless, and the store has rights as a private business to make the rule to wear a mask. A mom openly carries a 9mm handgun to her 5-year-old's soccer game. Uh, Other parents protest, feeling that their right to enjoy a family event is threatened by this. The soccer mom cites her Second Amendment right. So I want you to think about what rights are important to you, and uh, whether they're official ones or ones you just feel about, or uh, equal pay for equal work, uh, the right to vote. And I want you to think about that, because in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to consider which rights you might need to give up, which rights you might need to, for the cause of Christ, uh, suspend, not insist upon. And in fact, I would tell you that your willingness, your calling to do this, your commitment to do this before God, uh, can make you more like Jesus. Exactly so. Now, Paul has rights. Uh, look what he says about them as we begin chapter nine. He says, "Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me." So Paul asks a number of rhetorical questions here. Uh, he is expecting a yes answer when he says all of these it's implied that yes this is obvious yes what you're saying is true he's setting the stage for his rights as an apostle first of all he says he's free am i not free in christ yes paul you're free in christ you're liberated from old testament regulations and from human traditions and from worldly principles and from the penalty of sin yes you are free uh, am I not an apostle? Yes, Paul. You, and you are one who saw the resurrected Jesus. You're one who's been sent out with the gospel message. Yes, you're an apostle. Yeah, Paul, uh, am I not your spiritual father? Yes. I, 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 yes, Paul's the one who pointed the Corinthians to Jesus and formed them into a local church of the living God. And so more than anybody else on the planet, uh, these people in Corinth know that Paul has the rights of an apostle. And now what he does next, I want to lead you through this text, to show you that he has five levels of argument for his rights as an apostle. So we're going to go through this text and we're going to get to the point of, okay, what difference does this make to you and to me here and now? But let's go through each of these levels from normal practice all the way to the command of Jesus, these five levels of argument that Paul gives. First of all, normal practice. Verse 4, don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers in Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? So Paul brings to the issue of rights here. The Greek word is exousia, which means authority. or It's about power. It's about entitlement. Don't I have this right, this freedom, this entitlement to these things. An apostle would have the right to be fed, to be cared for by the church and so as they went out preaching the gospel uh, that the, the church would care for them and and if they were married that their wife would be cared for too that was an expectation now by the way from how this passage reads it does not sound like paul or barnabas had a wife but the point is they they had a right to have a wife and to have the, the, their family supported as they preached the good news of jesus that's the way the world works and he gives some very common uh, examples here normal practice uh, a soldier does doesn't pay for his own meals. A soldier doesn't pay for his own ammunition. I, I think there would be a lot less shooting if you had to pay for every bullet that you used as a soldier. Uh, Paul says if you're a, a, a dairy farmer, you get milk. You, you're able to have some of the milk from the, the cows. that you're, the, the shepherd is able to have some of the wool that he takes from his sheep. Uh, if you grow grapes, you get to enjoy some of the grapes, some of the wine. So that's just normal practice. That's the first level. Second level is biblical principle. Verse 8. Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing of the harvest. So Paul quotes or refers to a number of passages, most principally Deuteronomy 24.14, Deuteronomy 25.4, Uh, And uh, say, you don't starve the animal who is working to feed you. And if God cares enough about the fair treatment of oxen, how much more is it true of people? And so Paul is pointing to this biblical principle to take care of the ones who are doing the work of spiritual ministry. That is their right. Third level is common sense. Verse 11. If we sowed spiritual things in you, Is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Now a televangelist might say, send me money so you will be blessed. Paul is saying, you've been blessed, so I have the right to expect you to support me. Paul has given them spiritual things. Uh, pneumatica is the the Greek word here that's translated spiritual things. What it means is truth revealed by the Holy Spirit that points to Jesus. That's pneumatica here. Uh, Truth uh, revealed by the Holy Spirit that points to Jesus. And so Paul has, by the Holy Spirit, had truth revealed to them, pointing them to Jesus. And he says it just makes sense that if you're going to pay somebody for anything, you would give financially to someone who's helping you out spiritually. But Paul says, I'm not going to take any pay, because it might hinder the gospel. Hindrance, that word, only appears here in the New Testament. And it means a cutting in. It's when you stop someone from making progress. It's when you get in their way. It's when you put up a roadblock to them. And so uh, Paul, while he's entitled to support from his church, uh, he, he doesn't want that to get in the way of the good news, to become a roadblock. Fourth level. Religious custom, verse 13. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? He's referring to the Old Testament practice where the priests were allowed to eat some of the offerings and the animal sacrifices that were given to God. That's how religious workers were provided for, Leviticus 6. uh, gives an example of that. Uh, But even among pagan religions, this was accepted practice. And this question, along with all the rest of the questions Paul asks, are rhetorical. Uh, He's expecting a yes answer. This is obvious truth. This is obviously acceptable, this religious custom. Fifth, the final level, is Jesus' command. Verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So here's the final authority for Paul's argument. Jesus said so. Case closed. Uh, and he's undoubtedly referring not only to maybe things that were heard, but but what Jesus says in in Matthew ten and Luke ten, where Jesus' instructions to his disciples are are recorded as they're going out on mission, and and that those who preach the gospel are expected to receive room and board from uh, the the people of God. And so these are Paul's five levels of argument for his rights as an apostle. Now what you would expect after laying out all of this is to say, yes, here's the proof I'm an apostle, therefore treat me like an apostle. Uh, Let me, here is a picture of my three grandchildren. They're Amy's three grandchildren too, but I'm going to claim them this morning. And the oldest one, John Oliver, he wrote a letter to the Lego company a few months back. And I'm not going to read you the whole letter, it's hilarious, but I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. Dear Lego Company, you guys sent out a Lego catalog, right? Well, I looked at the first Lego set and it was $200. You see, no one is going to buy something with that price. So now let's take a look at the next one. It's $400. You have got to lower that price. Here's my favorite part. You are basically destroying little kids' dreams. You should change all the prices to the one I suggest or lower. P.S. I'm in the fourth grade. Now, they actually wrote him back. Shockingly, they're not going to change any of their prices. He laid out an argument. His dad's a lawyer. I think that's where he's headed too. He laid out an argument, all these reasons why they need to change their prices. That's what you expect. You lay out an argument and you expect, okay, this is, here's what I want to see happen. You, that's what you want to see happen. Well, not Paul. Paul laid out all these arguments to his rights, to his entitlements, only so he could renounce them. Here's how it goes. Verse 15. But I have not used any of these rights, and I'm not writing this in hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boat. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. So, even though he has every right to accept material and financial support from the Corinthians, Paul would rather die than take it. Why is that? He turns down this right to be paid, this right to be supported, in order to protect the treasure of the gospel. One of the dangers Paul is trying to avoid is that the rich members of the church will then expect special treatment and you have to appreciate that the corinthian church included two extremes on the economic spectrum you you had had wealthy elite people people in government even in the corinthian church people with all kinds of money uh slave owners and then at the other end you had people who were slaves and who had basically nothing at all and so any money paul would receive would come from the wealthy people and they would try to call the shots that's how corinth worked as a city that was their culture and so paul wants to avoid any competing priorities he doesn't want sponsors which is what that would have been sponsorship he doesn't want sponsors who tell him what to preach or how to preach and so in order to be completely free to preach the gospel he must preach the gospel for free now like most hollywood movies the bishop's wife is filled with horrible theology now the bishop's wife is a Somewhat Christmas time movie, so you've probably, it's an old movie, you've probably at least seen it uh, appearing on television or something. David Niven is the bishop who's trying to raise money to build this extravagant cathedral. And there's a wealthy widow in his congregation who is willing to put in a huge amount of money to make this happen, but she has several conditions. And the bishop is willing to compromise all his principles in order to get her donation. That's what Paul's trying to avoid. That's the kind of pressure he doesn't want to see. He wants to to be clear, no one has a claim on me except Christ. That's what he wants to be clear. So what does this passage have to do with you and me? let's, Let's bring this together. Put it in these words, that the gospel is worth any cost, even my rights. Even my rights. As Americans, we feel pretty strongly about our rights Real and imagined rights. Uh, we think we're entitled to a lot of things. It's beautifully written in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But, Church of God, we have something far more precious than in our Declaration of Independence or Constitution or Bill of Rights. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, far more precious. And let me tell you this morning that preaching the gospel is not optional. Preaching the gospel is not optional for me, and if you belong to Jesus, it's not optional for you either. When Paul talked in those last few verses I read to you about the importance of preaching the gospel, He used the Greek word euangelizomai, where we get our word evangelism. And it simply means bringing the good news. Announcing the good news. And you could use the three circles to do that. You could use the four spiritual laws. You could use the bridge illustration. You could use evangelism explosion. You could use Romans Road. You could use the wordless book. You could use just about any method to announce, to bring the good news. But there's only one message. Only one message. Every human being is dead in sin. Lost in sin. We're separated from the Holy God who made us. All of us deserve judgment for our sinfulness, for our sin, for our sinful thoughts and sinful words and sinful actions. But God the Father's love was so great that He sent His eternal Son into our world in human flesh. Jesus lived the perfect life that We could not live. He died the death we deserve to die. And through the work of Christ on the cross, God fully accomplishes salvation for all who believe, who turn from their sin to Christ alone. And He rescues us from judgment, makes us new creations, and guarantees us an eternity where we can enjoy Him forever. And since the Gospel is the most important truth in the world, Paul says, Woe to me if I do not preach it. Woe to me if I do not declare it. Woe to you if you do not. But how terrible if I do not announce the good news. The gospel is not optional. What is optional is using my rights and entitlements. That's Paul's point because he's asking these Corinthians to give up some things, and they're struggling. So he uses this as an example that you're going to become more like Jesus when you set aside your rights for the spiritual well-being of others. So here's the question I want you to struggle with today. What rights do you need to give up to protect the treasure of the gospel? You might think, well, there are no rights that I need to give up. But I believe that if we're going to represent Jesus well, this is the question we must seriously answer. Is this how you get saved? No, 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 no. This is for those whose trust is in Christ alone. That there might well be a right or several rights that you need to relinquish, that you need to let go of, that you need to stop demanding for the good of the gospel. If we're going to represent Jesus well, there are many ways that we might need to deny ourselves in following Him. To sacrifice, give up whatever it is that might hinder the message of Jesus. Give up what, whatever might get in the way of the message of Jesus of spreading the good news. Give up whatever might distract from spreading the gospel. The gospel not optional. Your rights are optional. So will you surrender your right to whatever it is? Let me give you some examples. I have the right to freedom of speech. I've got a lot of opinions. You wouldn't believe how many opinions I've got. I've got opinions about everything. Music, movies, politics. You pick a subject, I have an opinion. And I've realized that I have to give up my right to all my opinions. Because it's too easy for my opinions, on some subjects anyway, to get in the way of the good news. And so my social media presence, very minimal. Because I can't help myself. So I, I've, I've been tweeting since 2008, I think it is. And I almost never tweet anymore. Because every once in a while an opinion gets in there that might get in the way of the gospel. I have to control myself. Um, I have a right to wear what I want to wear. Taking my family through the years to a lot of baseball games, minor league, major league. There was a game I think maybe the last time our family, our two girls, Amy and I, went to a game was in Chicago to the, see the White Sox. I'm not a Cubs fan, White Sox fan, blue collar, and. Um, We didn't know it was hat day so everybody 18 and over got a hat on the way in and i like hats i've got a stack of baseball caps that i like and so i got three hats that day because the the, my ladies didn't want to wear the hat so now i had to though pick where i wore the hat because it wasn't just the free hat day it was sponsored by a brewing company and so on the side of the hat there's a beer logo and if I wore that to the church picnic or, or to some other event, I think people would say, you know, I might offend some people. Well, he must drink an awful lot of beer. He's got clothing with a beer logo on it. So I, you know, it's very good. I'd wear it fishing, maybe work in my yard, or wear it some other. i got three hats, but I couldn't wear them everywhere. I suppressed my rights. Okay, it gets a little dicier because five years ago I decided I can't wear the hats fishing. I can't wear the hats working in my yard because, yes, it was a White Sox game, but those hats, those three hats I have, are all bright red with a white logo on the front. And so from a distance, uh, I get a completely different perspective of what that hat is about. No longer people are worried about the beer logo. Now they think, oh, he's one of us, or he's one of them. And either way, it's a distraction to the gospel. So those hats are in my closet gave up my rights jesus talked about those who would forfeit their right to have sex for the kingdom of god matthew nineteen twelve. 12 I, I won't give you any more of those examples just say the ultimate example is what jesus himself did when though he was god he did not cling to his rights as god philippians 2 6 he's god he didn't cling to those rights. Why? Because there was something far greater going on. The salvation of the world. So, hear this. Several years ago, I stood in this very spot in all three services that we had that day, and here's what I said. Here's a, the very words that I said. This one paragraph. I was preaching through First Timothy at the time. Watch out for any church, any Christian organization... Where there's only one leader, and that leader is not surrounded by godly people who can fire him. We've got a dozen elders, all men I respect, and if they stand up and say Bukema has to go, believe them. Unquote. I still stand by that today. Why? I, I give up, I surrender my entitlements as senior pastor for the good of the church. Because no one is above sin and failure. No, no, all of us need accountability. And that's why you have a group of godly men who lead this church. Believe them when they say this. Even if you don't understand, they're seeking to put the Gospel first. So I want to ask you, what rights do you need to surrender for the good news? I, I can't answer that question for you you can answer that question before god if there is anything like are you insisting on rights that are hurting your marriage are you insisting on entitlements that are straining your friendships that are hampering your ministry can you consider for a moment can you give up your right to be appreciated can you give up your right to be in control can you give up your right to be part of the decision? Can you give up your right to feel respected? Can you give up your right to feel offended? Can you give up your right to be happy? Oswald Chambers said that there's nothing in the New Testament about demanding my rights. He said, for a Christian to insist on rights is miserable and petty. And yet it's so ingrained in us isn't it we want to get what we deserve we want to be treated fairly and so we think well if we give up something that if i give up something i'm entitled to if i give up something that's my right how do i survive here's what oswald chambers said the holy spirit gives me power to forego my rights so right now as we close this service I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you might need to relinquish for the gospel. What right might you need to give up for the gospel? And then when you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that, then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do it. To Do it. Let's pray. Lord, Only You can speak into our lives by Your Spirit right now, and I pray that You would do so, that You would speak to me, that You would speak to each of us individually about how we can better be Your representatives in this time and place. Lord, may You, our great Savior, be our model and example, our empowerment, even to the point of death on the cross, Did You give up Your rights, O Jesus, to be our Savior. Bearing our sin. We give you thanks, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for your ministry to us. And we pray this in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Welcome
1: saint and sinner There's room enough for all We're no longer cursed, no longer lost We are now his children By election and by blood That joins us here together at the cross Every pilgrim, every prodigal Every way with sun, we find all that's worth finding as they gaze upon the one who took on flesh, who came to them, and preached the camp of God and men, who
7: joined us here
1: together
5: at the cross.
1: Like a lover, you have sought us Won the battle for us Joined us here together at the cross Sing it out Every pillow, every prodigal Every way would will Find all that's worth finding As they
5: gaze upon the one And took on flesh and came the.
7: benediction now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen god bless you go in peace